the fallout of sin is catastrophic, it's inescapable, leaving us to wonder, is there any hope? Good morning. (laughs) Everyone feel really good right now. (laughs) I'm going to pray. God, I know um, that you are in this room. Um, I know that you're sitting um, next to each person in this space. And God, my prayer and um, my trust in you is that you have things to say. Um, You have things to comfort. You have things to poke. Um, But God, I'm just going to pray a prayer of trust over this room uh, that we surrender to you. We surrender to you to have a voice. So God, please speak to us this morning. Amen. Y'all, I love Eve. I love her. When I get to heaven, that's the first person I'm looking for. (laughs) I want to sit down and say, tell me what really happened. Like, how did this really go down? What did the serpent look like? Did Adam really just stand there? Like, tell me what's, what really happened. Um, I love her. I'm fascinated by her. I'm fascinated by the creation of Adam and Eve, and we don't really have all that much information about them, and I think that's where my fascin- fascination comes from, is I want to know more. God, tell us more about who they are. What we do know is that they were the highlight of God's creation, We know that God entrusted everything that he had created to them. We know that his character resides in them. He created them in his own image. Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with him, with creation. God gave them complete freedom. The first thing God said to them is, you are free to eat of any fruit in the garden, but not this one. So God gave them complete freedom. He had one rule. One rule. So what went wrong? We saw in the video, and we all know the story of creation. We all know, okay, so Satan came along. He was a fallen angel, and he didn't want them to live in perfect peace, and he wanted to be better than God, so he said, hey, eat this fruit. You, will surely, you won't surely die. Um, so we know that's what happened, right? And we know that Eve gave in. And Satan's goal was for, was for Adam and Eve to rebel against God's goodness. Satan knew God was good. Satan knew God was perfect. He knew that the space they were living in was perfect, but he did not want them to be able to experience that. So he chose to whisper in Eve's ear, eat it. Eat it. What's the harm? Take a bite. No big deal. Eat it. Not going to hurt anything. Peace unraveled immediately. Peace unraveled. The perfection was over. For us, or maybe for me, I'll say me, that seems so stupid. (laughs) Like you look at that story and you're like, Eve, for crying out loud, God gave you one rule. He gave you all these other trees. He gave you all this other stuff. He gave you complete and utter freedom, perfection to live with him. He gave you one rule and still you're like, oh, yeah. A serpent? Like, we look at that. Like, the video shows a snake, and I think that's probably what we all picture. We picture some sort of 
slimy, slithery something um, that wouldn't be enticing. You wouldn't want to listen to it if it were talking to you. That would freak us out if something like that spoke to us. So why in the world, Eve, was it so easy for you to give in to that? Because I also think, Eve, God was right there. You couldn't say, hey, God, what, what was that you said about that one tree? Because this guy over here, this snake, this serpent, is trying to tell me I should eat it. But what was that, what was that you said? Or even just tattling on the serpent to go and say, hey, God, hey, God, this, this thing is trying to tell me to do the one thing you told me not to. Can you help? Like, can you tell him that we're not supposed to do that? Doesn't that seem so easy? Seems like that would have been the easy thing to do. But instead... Um, she took a bite. Not to mention, Adam stood right there and let her. There was no accountability in that. There was no, hey, Eve, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know if you should. She took a bite, handed it to him, and he took a bite as well. Um, that's their story, but it's our story too, right? We are Adam and Eve. <laughs> we are that. We have also been given complete freedom. God has said to us, be free. I want you to live free with me. This is the freedom that I have given you. Run free. Be free. But I do have some things, I do have some things to tell you. Um, God gives us boundaries. Um, he gives us a, a, a space to live in. But you guys, those rules, those things that God tells us, those are for our protection those are for our good. They are things that he gives us to keep us in complete freedom with him, to be able to walk and to run and be free and to be joyful with him. And we are no different than Eve. God's still right here, you guys. He's still right here to say, what? Hey, I think you said something about how I shouldn't drink too much alcohol. What was that, what was that you said about that? What was that you said about uh, not lusting after another person? I think, I think you had something to say about that, and that's kind of a struggle I'm having. Can you tell me again, God, what you had to say about that? You guys, we still, we still have him right here to ask those questions, but we live as if he is far away and can't see anything that's going on. We are just like Adam and Eve, so we choose, we choose to live in fear, to live in guilt, and to live in shame by the actions that we take. Michelle, she knows, you guys, she knows what God says about her. If you asked her, hey, what, is, what does God say about me? In a discipleship, you know, sit down or a counseling session with Michelle, she would tell you all these beautiful, wonderful things that God has to say about you, all true things. She knows that Psalm 139 tells us that she was knit together in her mother's womb by a God who loves her, that she is fearfully and she is wonderfully made. She knows that, but it doesn't stop, stop her from still living in the land of negative thought about herself. It doesn't stop her from being insecure about who she is. And then you heard her say, sinning in the midst of that insecurity. She knows the truth. But sometimes just knowing the truth isn't enough. We can't perfect ourselves. <laughs> uh, we can't. 
I know, I, I'm just like you. I have some years on you, but I'm just like you. We try hard to perfect ourselves, and we like, okay, well, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to eat a banana because that's healthy, by the way, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a schedule, and I'm going to stick to my program, my program, my uh, planner, there's the word, stick to my plan. I mean, you, we have all these things that we want to put in place, and we're gonna, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to try and you fail. Okay, well, I'm going to try harder this time. This time I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try really hard not to go to that party this weekend. I'm going to try really hard to go home and not spend the night with my boyfriend tonight. I'm going to try hard. <laughs> it's not, not enough. We cannot perfect ourselves. We can't quite get there, and so we try harder and harder and harder, and we're exhausting ourselves by simply trying hard. You guys, God promised that we would have trials. He never, ever once said, walk with me and life will be perfect. Never said that. God promised. He said, hey, in James 1, it says, when you face troubles of many kinds. Not if, when. When you do. And many kinds. Not these three kinds. Many, many kinds. It also says in John 16, verse 33, that here on earth which is where we are, you will have many trials and sorrows. God told us that. I don't know why we're surprised. Why, we're, why are we surprised that the world is falling apart? He told us it would. He told us that we would fall apart. We have, um, we have obstacles, okay? So you guys, you guys wrote about some of those this morning. Um, some of those are things that happen to us, Right? things that are out of our control, things that happen to us as a child or will happen to you today. Like there are obstacles that happen to us that, keep, that get in the way of us having that deep relationship with our Heavenly Father that we desire, that he has placed within us. When he knit you together in your mother's womb, he placed a deep desire within you to live in perfect communion with him. That is why we are never satisfied this side of heaven because we can't get to that deep communion with him that we want to and we do things all the time that get in the way of that. Things happen to us that get in the way of us living in that freedom that he wants for us. These struggles, these obstacles that we, we face aren't new. They've been around since the beginning of time. In the Bible, let's, the Job, the book of Job, the book of Job is an obstacle. Like, it's all obstacle. Job loses everything. He lost his children, his wealth, his livestock, his crops, his health, his relationships with his wife and friends. Those are some obstacles. Naomi, in the book of Ruth, loses her husband and then loses both of her sons. Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they were stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged, thrown in prison for telling people about Jesus. That's an obstacle. Mary and Martha in John 11, we learn there that they lost their brother Lazarus. Sarah, married to Abraham in Genesis 17, struggled with infertility, desperately wanted a baby, um, struggled with that, that hole in her heart, something she couldn't do anything about. My story, I, I've had a, a battle and a struggle that I'm still currently in with anxiety and depression which I know hits home to a lot of you because I know a lot of you. 
my journey probably began much sooner than I realized, but when the time that I realized it was after um, I had Ezra. He's number four of six for us. He was born in May. Um, so I, like kids were home from school, right? Because you get out of school in May. And so I have four boys at home, uh, one of them being a newborn. That summer was hard. It was really hard. And I, I struggled with um, anger, with lashing out at my little babies. They weren't, they weren't big. They weren't doing things that deserved the kind of um, uh, reaction I was giving to them. Three of them are here. They can probably tell you some stories. <laughs> um, but I knew I was not right. I knew I was not right. I was not myself, and I couldn't find her. I didn't know where she went. I didn't know where myself went. Um, I couldn't pray. I couldn't be in the Word. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, things that normally brought me a lot of joy didn't. And it was frustrating. It was frustrating to not feel like myself and feel like no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get her back. So, and I also, you know, it's summertime. I have four small children. And I think, well, this is just hard, right? Because that, that, uh, if you don't, I mean, it's hard. You don't know. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, but I decided I need, to, I need to go talk to somebody. Um, and probably with the push of my husband, please go talk to someone. <laughs> um, I went to my OB who had delivered, Ezra, um, not a Christian, great doctor, and started telling her how I was feeling, which was really vulnerable because I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to admit it, right? I'll, 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 it'll be all right. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Don't worry about me. I don't need to tell anybody. I'll figure it out. Um, told her everything I was feeling. Her response was, let's write a script for Prozac. Here you go. Felt like she didn't listen to me. I felt like, wait, I don't, I've been taking Prozac. That's ridiculous. Like, there's got to be another answer here. Tell me something else. But her answer was, no, postpartum depression, that's easy here. Just take that. You'll be fine. Um, came home, I didn't want to, you guys. I did not want to take that medication. There was a stigma to that that I didn't want anything to do with. Like, I am not taking that. I will figure this out. I will try harder. Decided that I would go talk to, I had two OBs at the time, don't need to explain why, but one in town who was a uh, follower of Jesus, and uh, Dr. Nord, he has since passed away, but um, I went to see him, because I thought, well, at least he talks to God. <laughs> Maybe he'll have better advice than a prescription for Prozac, right? I don't want that. Um, and I remember very distinctly you guys going in and talking to him and explaining all these things to him. I'm sure I was a pile of tears. And I remember him very gently putting his hand on my leg and saying, we need to get you back to a place where you can pray again. And I hadn't said that out loud to him that I couldn't pray, but he knew. He knew where I was at. He knew the darkness that I was sitting in. And that was all I needed to say. He wrote me a prescription for a different medication, but I took it after that because I needed it. I needed the help that that would provide. Um, I spent ugh, years of adjusting, like, taking different medications, finding the right one. Those of you who have taken medication, you know what I'm talking about. It's a frustrating process. 
um, to figure out which one will work for you and what dosage is enough and what's too much and what are the side effects and it's frustrating and you want to give up on the on the help that you've been given say nope I'm not going to take that anymore I'm just going to try harder I'm just going to do it because God can't help with anxiety and depression right Mm-mm, that's my issue that's my problem I gotta I gotta suck it up and do it right so struggling with figuring that out I did not take medication when I was pregnant so we had baby number five it was off went right back on after he was born though because I was like I'm not I'm not going down that path again I don't want to get to that dark place so didn't even consider not taking it um then we surprisingly got pregnant with Nora um and I wish I had time to tell you my Nora story because she is God's personal gift to me sorry um I prayed for her for a long time. I wanted a girl desperately, um, to the point of probably sinfully wanting a girl. <laughs> like there was, there was nothing holy about it. I just, I just wanted to put a dress on a baby, and I wanted to do the girl things and come there and do all of those things. Boys aren't as much fun that way. I don't know if you know that, but they don't really want to be dressed up. Um, <laughs> and I, I prayed for her, and God pretty much just said, hey, here she is. Here you go. Um, being pregnant with her, I it flipped a switch in my brain that yes, my boys needed me to be healthy, but there was something different about my daughter needing me to be healthy. Um, I sought counseling that summer, and I said, I do not want to go back on this medicine. I don't want to. How do I not do this? Um, I want to be healthy. I want to show my daughter what it looks like to be a healthy woman of God. Like I had, I had such a stigma in my head still that this was so disgusting. I do not want anyone to know about it, and I definitely don't want my daughter to know that this is a part of who I am. Through counseling, I learned that I don't advocate for myself, that I don't stand up for myself, that I don't say what I really think. Mm, that's not true. I don't, I don't say what I really want. Sometimes I just, I, I take the burden on myself because I would rather other people be happy before me. Part of that's being a mom. I understand that. Um, but it was to a level it didn't need to be. Um, so after Nora was born, I was determined not to go back on medication. And you guys, for three years, I was healed like it was gone I did it I I was good I was so good I was the healthiest I'd ever been I lost a ton of weight I felt great I was healthy I was exercising regularly like life was good and I felt like my story was God healed me through my daughter healed me through my daughter and then <laughs> November of some year hit I don't remember what year it doesn't matter um, and I started feeling, like, these physical symptoms that I'd never felt before. Um, felt like I had, our heart, had heart issues. Uh, felt like um, there were times that I might pass out uh, in public. Feeling like I couldn't quite breathe right. My chest was heavy. Feeling like, oh, I can't swallow. Something's in my throat. Nothing was there. Um, I remember one time, specifically, I was at Walmart with Levi, actually, and he was <laughs> on his driver's permit. <laughs> And I said to him, walking with the cart, I think I might pass out. I refuse to do that in Walmart. We're going to the parking lot, <laughs> and you're going to drive me to prompt care around the corner. I made it to prompt care. No ambulance had to get me at Walmart. I'm very proud of myself. Um, <laughs> and they did some heart testing there. Nothing. Found nothing. Um, so I talked to a friend about what I was feeling, and she said, Joe, that's anxiety. 
you're feeling anxiety. Like, why? Uh, what? Why? I have nothing to be anxious about. Life is good. Like, I, that's stupid. No, it's not. Like, there's some, there, no, it's not. I'm not doing that again. Um, you guys, it was anxiety. My depression had flipped to me being anxious. And through me being anxious, it comes out as anger for me. Um, that's my sin. Um, I, my sin is just suck it up and do it. You can do it. You don't need help. You don't need to ask anybody for help. Just do it yourself. That's my sin. So I started taking medicine again, which was okay this time because I had done it before. And I'm like, I know I, it needs the help. I had those, those of you who struggle with anxiety, that was looping thoughts that I couldn't break out of laying down at night, not being able to sleep because my heart was racing and my throat felt like it was closing up. Uh, all of those things, I'm like, I can't, I can't fix this myself. I need help. <sighs> um, what's frustrating with that for me is I literally, literally have everything I could ever want. I have an amazing husband. I have a house full of children. I have a daughter. But that's still a struggle. Um, I still don't feel like things are complete. Um, I still feel insecure. I still feel anxious. I still still feel depressed sometimes. Um, but God has been so faithful. He doesn't walk away. He sits in that stuff with me. He taps me on the shoulder and says, "Hey, I'm here. Don't forget. Just let me know when you need when you want me." I'm not going to force myself on you, but I'm right here. Don't forget. You can ask me for help. The Bible also tells us that we will fall short and that we will all sin. In Romans 3, verse 23, it tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we've got the obstacles that happen to us, right? I would consider anxiety and depression something that happened to me. Um, that I need to figure out, figure out how to deal with and how to deal with with the Lord. But we also have things that we choose. Um, we, we have sin that we choose that causes uh, space between us and God. These things also aren't new. Uh, we have Jonah, who God asked him to do something, and Jonah literally, like a child, ran away from God. <laughs> I will not do that. I will run from you. Got on a boat, God caused a storm, the guys freaked out, they threw him overboard, and he got swallowed by a whale, you guys. Like, <laughs> it doesn't get more obstacled, huh? is that a word, than that. Sitting in the belly of a whale? What? I don't even know, my only reference is Pinocchio, right? Like, none of us know what that would be like. Um, David, in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, he committed adultery, he committed murder. Paul, in Acts, persecuted Christians. Then we've got Peter in Luke 22, who we all have a fond affection for, but he denied he knew Jesus three times. After walking with Jesus, he denied he knew him. Then we have Moses in Exodus 3. God told him, go get my people, and Moses said, <laughs> get somebody else. Y'all, I have anxiety and depression I also have insecurities. Who knew? Huh. I know we all do. Um, my insecurities look like this. I grew up in a Christian home. Okay, Grew up in the church. 
grew up knowing all the things. I could tell you a lot about God. I could tell you a lot about the Bible. I could tell you a lot that's supposed to be. Um, But I didn't have a dad at home that cared for me uh, in the way that a daughter needed care for. Um, He... And my dad, uh, my dad's a wonderful man. I have a great relationship with him now. But he didn't know. He didn't know how to be a dad, you guys. He didn't know. A lot of your parents don't know how to be parents. Um, extend grace. But um, he did not ever give me the words that a, a daughter needs to hear, even at a really young age. You're beautiful. You're worth it. You're valuable. You have things to offer this world. You're unique. God has created you in a beautiful way. I never, I never got that. Um, my dad was never home for one school dance I went to because he was uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable seeing his daughter go with a boy who he didn't trust. My dad didn't trust men based on his own sin. But he was never home, never home to send me off in my prom dress with my hair and my makeup done to tell me I looked beautiful, to tell me that I was worth it, to tell me that I had value and I didn't need to, I didn't, I did not have to give in to whatever pressures were going to come on prom night. Never told me that. (laughs) Left me in a space to try harder, right? To always try harder. Okay, well then I am gonna try to be more beautiful. I'm gonna be try I'm gonna try to do the things you wanna do. You know, and then those teenage years hit and I'm like, all right, well, I know how to get the attention of my male peers. That's easy. So I spent a lot of years doing that. There was no satisfaction in that, only hurt and pain. Um, but I was desperately looking for somebody to tell me, hey, you're worth it. You have an identity in Jesus Christ, and I knew that, right? I grew up in the church. I knew that, but I could not live it. I was paralyzed in my own insecurity, Um, and in that insecurity, there's sin, right? Because you're trying desperately to strive for something that you can't get without God. And so there was a lot of sin in the midst of that insecurity of me trying to figure out who I am and trying to find that worth and value that I so desperately longed for. That's not gone. (laughs) I'm married, obviously. Six children. I've had a lot of people tell me my worth and value over my, my time. A lot of you have told me my worth and value. A lot of you are so encouraging. But those deep hurts are still there. And they rear their ugly head at the worst time. I'm insecure in, I am maybe one of the most scattered, chaotic people you'll meet. (laughs) And God gave me six kids and we have conversations. I'm like, seriously, you're, what are you doing? I can't do this. I can't do it. I, I miss appointments all the time. We're late for things all the time. My kids' homework is missing all the time. (laughs) Do those things matter in the light of eternity? No. But they're my insecurities. Because nobody, I I didn't, I didn't grow up with people telling me I was good at things. So I've had to figure that out on my own. 
We'll figure that out with the Lord. God was, faith, God was faithful in that. So much more could have happened. So many other sins I could have fallen into. I didn't fall into the party scene, you guys. I should have. But God was faithful in protecting me from that. Party scene and all that comes with that. I and you are completely, utterly, and powerless without God's help. <laughs> that video tells us that the thought of sin is catastrophic. Now, what a word, catastrophic. It's inescapable, and we have no way out on our own to fix it. We don't. We can't try hard enough to fix it. That's our story without God. But God is faithful, and that's his part of the story. He promises that he will never leave us. It says in Isaiah 41.10, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious hand. Victorious hand. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing. A lot of you in this room need to know that God takes great delight in you. He doesn't just like you. He delights in you. Y'all, we live in a broken, messed up world. And it feels like it's getting worse all the time. None of this is new. None of this surprises God. But we need to be swimming upstream. The moment you find yourself flowing with everything going on around you is the moment you need to stop, turn around, and go the other direction. It's too easy to get sucked into the flow of the world. Um, we're living currently between two gardens. We're living between the perfect garden that Ben talked about last night, the garden where Adam and Eve lived. They got to commune with God in perfection, with him right there with them. We're, we're living here, stuck in the middle between that and what's to come. It's where we are. We're stuck in the middle. We're stuck in the brokenness, right? But we can hold, and we need to hold, in my mouth. We need to hold our brokenness and the beauty that God says we are at the same time so that God can continue to pour over our brokenness and pour over our brokenness and pour over our brokenness to make beauty from our ashes that we leave behind. Um, on Friday, I went to uh, Nora's class. She's in second grade, and they were doing their memory verse with me. That's my role when I go. They say their memory verse. And this week's verse was Psalm 139.16, which says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And you guys, I got emotional looking at these little second-grade faces, 14 of them saying those words over and over again, being reminded that all of our days were ordained before one of them came to be. He knew the crap show that you might be. <laughs> And he created you anyway. 
because he knows, he knows the beauty that he can take from that. He knows what you can become and what you will become, and he knows how he can use you for his glory. Some of you may be sitting here um, in the midst of an obstacle that's happened to you that's standing in, in, in your way to get to that deep relationship that we all long for with our God. Um, some of you might be experiencing a death of a loved one. We've experienced a lot of loss these, this last two years. So it may be a loss of a loved one. It may be a loss of a graduation, a prom, anything in high school that you had to miss out on. It's sad. It's hard. Some of you may be sitting in the midst of abuse or have abuse in your past. A failed relationship. Maybe one that needed to fail, but maybe one that you desperately wanted. An illness, medical issue, loss of a job, loss of money. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe your parents have been hurt by the church and you're experiencing the fallout of that. I know some of you are lonely. I know some of you, uh, some of you experience anxiety. I know some of you experience depression. I know a lot of you experience shame. Others of you are sitting in here and you're thinking about the sin that you have committed or are currently committing. Some of you are liars <laughs> and you're dishonest with people around you. Some of you have addictions that you don't know how to get out of. Some of you are disobedient. God's asked you to do something and you're ignoring it or you're saying, no, I won't do that, God. Some of you mistreat other people around you. Some of you have an addiction to porn or some other kind of sexual sin, lust. Some of you are a gossip, love to talk about other people especially negatively, so you can lift yourself up. Some of you are really prideful. <laughs> and pride comes in two forms, you guys. It can be, man, I think I'm better than everybody else, and I'm going to puff up my chest, and I'm going to show you. But it also comes in the form of, I am the lowest person in this room. No one likes me. Everyone hates me. I'm the worst. It's also pride because it's about you. Some of you are selfish, we probably all are. Some of you are extremely jealous and are coveting what other people have. Guys, the fallout of sin has been catastrophic. It's inescapable with no way to fix it, leaving us all to wonder, is there any hope? 